Hi, and welcome to The Landscape, a Crane's Cleveland podcast. We are presented with support of Medical Mutual. I'm your host, Dan Paletta. Thanks for joining us. Ohio ranks as the third largest manufacturing state in the nation, and Northeast Ohio plays a big role in that number. A new report issued by Magnet, the Manufacturing Advocacy and Growth Network, says if we want to maintain that lofty status, people in the manufacturing world in the region need to start looking ahead and thinking about ways to innovate their businesses. Here to talk about what Magnet is calling a blueprint for manufacturing in Northeast Ohio is the CEO and president of Magnet, Ethan Karp. Ethan, thanks for joining us today. Really glad to be here. Ethan, before we dive into the plan, remind us what's Magnet's role in the world of manufacturing here in Northeast Ohio? Our mission is to help our small and medium manufacturers grow. Half of the economy of Northeast Ohio is dependent upon manufacturing. You might not see it every single day, but it is there in all of our backyards. And one out of every two jobs, banker jobs, pizza parlor jobs, depend on about one in five jobs that bring money into the region because a manufacturer is making some piece or part that is going into your car, that is going into an airplane, that is going into your playset at home, your jungle gym, whatever it is, we're making it here in Northeast Ohio. And that is providing the jobs and providing for so many thousands of families. Our job as Magnet, keep that going. The way we do that, we roll up our sleeves. We actually go into manufacturers. We have experts that help engineer the next new product, make something operationally more efficient, find new customers. But we can't stop at just helping grow those jobs. We all know it's hard to get people to go into those jobs. So coming up with ways to partner in our community, bring education, bring workforce organizations that go out and try and help people find jobs and the manufacturers themselves, bringing all of that together so that people can take advantage of these really good paying jobs in manufacturing is the other arm of what we work on. So Magnet's here to provide that value and try and figure out how to connect all those dots while rolling up our sleeves and getting stuff done inside manufacturing companies. And this blueprint is very much a vision of what are all the things that we as an industry and region and sector can do to make a difference over the next 10 years to really have a continuously thriving manufacturing ecosystem. One of the things we're going to discuss is trying to attract people to the manufacturing industry. You didn't start out in a manufacturing background. You started out in the science world. So how did you end up in manufacturing? I've always had a passion for making things. And I got to tell you, I am terrible, terrible at making things. And, but, but I think all of us have this sort of innate desire to build. Think of your Lincoln Logs and your Legos. And there's something inherently attractive to making something that is physical that somebody's going to use. And Northeast Ohio does this so incredibly well in so many different ways that it excites me. And it excites all of our team members. And our hope is that this blueprint, when you read it, it's full of stories, stories of you know, organizations like Pierre's Ice Cream that many, many of you have heard of, and the story of Gojo, who makes Purell. How important was that over the last year? Stories of how we make things and what it takes to make those things, which are the same stories that inspired me to join an organization coming from science that not only uses that science, but actually has a real impact on our communities, not just because we use the products that are made here, but because those jobs are what are feeding our families. This is The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. More of our conversation in just a moment. But first, a word from our partner, Medical Mutual. 
Let's talk about manufacturing, where it stands in Northeast Ohio. So where, are we still dealing with mostly the sort of traditional manufacturing jobs that we had 30 and 40 years ago? Or are they playing a lesser role as, as other manufacturing opportunities come to the fore? Jobs have changed tremendously in manufacturing over the last 40 or 50 years. One of the biggest things that people bring up is, will automation take jobs away? My answer is that automation has been taking jobs away for 40 or 50 years. And in the process, have totally transformed what jobs are in manufacturing today. It's not just automation, but it's new, more advanced tools. Things that used to be do, done manually that are now done with programming and computers and multi-million dollar pieces of equipment. The skills required to run those pieces of equipment are vastly different than those 40 years ago. And even though there are fewer people working on it, I believe we are in, at the bottom. We have reached an inflection point where we need more technology, but that technology is going to augment what people do. And we have surveys of hundreds of manufacturers talking about how robots today, for example, are going to take a repetitive task and remove it from someone who can then do more programming, more fixing of machines, more fixing of those robots. It's going to augment and let them do more with the same, if not slightly more people. When we hear news all the time about automation and the nature of changing jobs, it's completely true. These are better jobs. These are more interesting jobs than they were 40 years ago. But manufacturing is on the front edge of adopting automation. You think of the Model T that maybe many of you have a picture of an assembly line. Not only is it so much different than that, but the entire history of manufacturing has been one of adopting new technologies like automation. So today, I think the industry is in a fabulous position with entirely new jobs, very interesting, difficult jobs requiring more skills, and no longer are we in a mode of reducing jobs for the sake of automation, but we're going to grow how much we make and we're going to grow more jobs based in these high-tech roles. The blueprint lays out a vision of Northeast Ohio as a world leader in manufacturing. So what are the few of the key things that will make that happen? There are four parts of the blueprint. And we heard this from hundreds of interviews from manufacturers, from government, from education, from community leaders. We took input from everyone. And we heard over and over again, four things, four things that need to be done over the next 10 years, or we risk falling behind as an industry. The first is talent. Very clearly, creating that future workforce of tomorrow is an imperative that we've been facing for many, many years. People run manufacturing, not machines. People run manufacturing, and we need great people with all the skills that they need to run all of these complicated pieces of equipment and to problem solve them and come up with the future products and do innovation. We need people. And the task ahead of us as a community is how do we work together to take all of the many assets we have, great education institutes. We have some of the envy of the country in terms of community colleges that have amazing CNC programs and welding programs and Lincoln Electric's welding program, truly amazing assets. But how do we link those assets together to create a, a full pipeline? Because getting somebody almost a job isn't useful. The second pillar is all about transformation. We need people, but if our companies do not continually invest in their technology, like the robot that I mentioned that can work right alongside of you, 
like a piece of equipment that will tell when your machine's going to break before it breaks. That improves the efficiency of your operation. Like a headset that is augmented reality, meaning you can see the world in front of you and it can project something. This is like the Google Glass that had been long promised. It can project something in front of you. It can tell you how to fix something. It can teach you how to do something. It can do a Skype and you can, if you're in the field, you can fix and you can help service an item. These are the types of technologies. Industry 4.0 is what it's called. Industry 4.0 technologies, smart technologies, digital technologies. These are all buzzwords for the same basic concept of a suite of technologies that can make huge improvements in our manufacturing. And we need to be doing them. We are not doing them fast enough in our small and medium-sized companies. The third key is innovation. New products, new ways of doing business, new services. Change is constant. It takes a lot of money and energy to create that change. Sometimes it's a startup with a physical product idea that will create the next new product that'll grow a thousand jobs here in Northeast Ohio. Sometimes it's a spin out and a small company says, I have this great idea. I have cash to, to, to be able to create it, but I'm going to spin it out. I'm going to create its own business. And sometimes it's just creation of the next best product in your own business. Innovation is critical. And lastly, leadership. Leadership is the glue in every one of these issues. And rather than just being high level, 30,000 foot, oh, leadership, yeah, that sounds great. No, we mean something very specific by leadership. And it's twofold. One, at the company level, to have a great place to work and attract people and work on braiding all of our talent resources together in the community, that requires investment in your people and your time. Upgrading your facility requires investment and time. Innovating is a huge investment of money and time. This means that company leaders must lead by investing in themselves and their companies. And then we as a community, all the organizations like Magnet, but all of our government entities, all the nonprofits that care about manufacturing, we can do a better job of linking arms and radically collaborating to catalyze what is going on. Let me give you an example. One of our strategies in this blueprint, even though the blueprint kind of highlights high level, each of those four categories, one of the categories in the blueprint is around transformation digitally. But how are you going to do that if you don't know what technologies you're going to be looking at? So on the one hand, there are real practical strategies that we're going after. For example, one of them is we're going to build a building in Midtown in the Huff neighborhood that companies can come see all of these technologies. And on the other hand, we're going to go into companies and get them to agree to show as lighthouses what they're doing and how others can do it. Companies really enjoy learning from other companies. We're going to engage our economic development ecosystem, our chambers of commerce, our partners like Team Neo, folks that go into companies every day trying to help them expand. Well, now they are able to point them to a company that's done something in technology so that all of our companies can see what is going to go on in the future. That type of collaboration is the other piece of leadership. So talent, digital transformation, technology transformation, innovation, leadership. These are the keys to the future. This is what the blueprint talks about. And you've just heard me give an example. There are detailed practical strategies behind each one of these that we as a community are going to go after.
Ethan Karp, the president and CEO of Magnet, joins us on The Landscape. We're a Cranes Cleveland podcast. We are presented with the support of Medical Mutual. We're talking about Magnet's blueprint for manufacturing for the future here in Northeast Ohio. Ethan, you mentioned innovation. Beju Shaw, the president and CEO of the Greater Cleveland Partnership, joined us for our Landscape podcast. And I asked him, what do I need to know as a business leader? What's going to take to succeed? And the first thing he said was innovation. I was surprised to see in the report that so many CEOs didn't value innovation. Why do you think that is? I think that valuing innovation and prioritizing it are different things. Okay. I think if you ask the question, do you value innovation? Everybody would say yes. They would all have different ideas of what innovation means. But when you ask them, which we do in our annual survey process, what's your top priority? Well, there's a lot of things that go before innovation. And that is problematic, not because companies don't have many priorities, but if you're a small company, you do not have the bandwidth to do 10 or 15 things which means if innovation is too low on your list, it won't happen because it is time intensive and expensive. And that is where we need to provide as a community an ecosystem of support to help companies do more of it better and quicker and easier. And where we need to convince companies that the future really requires their investment in those innovative products. Thus, it needs to notch up on their priority list Otherwise, we as a region have a real problem in a few years. And I, I love that Beiju brought this up. Beiju had been leading the Cleveland Innovation Project. And while this blueprint is certainly a regional effort, the idea that you know, subregions focusing and doubling down on innovation in all industries is really powerful. This is the way we can do it. The blueprint is the outline for how we can do it in manufacturing. And that same idea is in many communities being looked at in healthcare and other industries. So it's not just a manufacturing problem, but as I started with, if 50% of our economy depends on manufacturing, well, we got to make sure that manufacturers are innovating as much as they possibly can and doing so with as many collaborators, be they universities, economic development, each other as possible. You mentioned, uh, Industry 4.0, how important is that for Northeast Ohio manufacturers to adopt it quickly? I mean, there is a world of competition out there. Other states are looking to increase their manufacturing base as well. One of our stories in, our, in this blueprint is uh, one of a company that has made the world's largest 3D printer in Youngstown. It was a spin out of a medium-sized manufacturer, awesome success story of a company that 10 years ago, Center Street Technologies, M7 Technologies, 10 years ago said, we want to have a technology strategy. And 10 years later, they're producing these amazing products and having truly advanced the field of additive printing. That is one story of what can happen when somebody sets their mind around technology and says, that is our future. It's going to grow that business. It's going to put a marker down for the Youngstown area that builds on what they've done in additive. That is the power of technology. The other side is those that do not look at that, do not adopt it, are going to find themselves on the losing side of what I like to call of a cold war of technology with other states, with other countries, with the entire world. Technology, I don't worry so much about other states because I want to see American manufacturing grow. And then I say, all things considered, we have such a strong base here in Ohio, let's be first so that yeah, we can win as a region, as a state. But the international competition, this cold war of technology is real. If you go to China today, you might have this view of, oh, there's a whole bunch of sweatshops. And I'm not saying anything about whether they do or don't have sweatshops. What I can tell you is 
in manufacturing, you're going to walk into a plant that is absolutely state of the art, has tons of this equipment. Heck, some of it might have even been paid for by the government. They are taking what was originally low cost labor. And as their cost of labor has gone up, their manufacturing capabilities and technology have also gone up, which means we need to be there, be there faster than other countries. We have an advantage. We are the biggest consumers in the world as Americans. We have tons of universities and intellectual capital. We have so many supply chains, not all of them, but so many supply chains still established here. We have an advantage to be able to win this sort of overseas reshoring battle because if we take on the technology and don't get left behind, China still is eons away from us. It's huge distances to travel, huge quality issues, a whole bunch of issues with cybersecurity you face overseas. Those issues all go away if you produce it in America. But you're only going to be able to do that if you have the technology to make it as cost effective as possible. That is why technology is so critical to the future and why we very much are on a precipice of a technology revolution that could easily pass us by. Because unlike past revolutions of technology, everybody does not need to get it. It's not like the next model of computer. These are new technologies that may not have a precedent inside a manufacturer. That robot that I mentioned that works right beside you, those don't exist in most manufacturers. Your CNC machine that you use to make metal parts, well, that one you see everywhere. And you know that if you want a better, bigger, faster one, you can just upgrade your tech to get there. It was the same as when you went from a manual machine to an automated machine. Now we're adding a whole bunch of new sets of capabilities. That is the challenge in doing digital transformation and getting these technologies, but it is an imperative for our region to do. And those technologies are affordable today if a company sees the potential and potentially gets help from a magnet or from any other third party to help them think of how to integrate. One of the things that comes up in the blueprint over and over is the need to improve the workforce. I think it's the with 60% of the manufacturers said they couldn't find the proper employees to be part of their workforce. So how do we draw people to this industry? So 85 plus percent, and I'm sure it's even higher now, of manufacturers said that they were having difficulty finding people last January. 60% of them at last January said, we cannot grow, i.e. we have orders. We have money that we could bring to the economy, to people, to families, and we can't find enough people. We cannot fulfill those orders. That is crazy. That is crazy. And when COVID hit and manufacturers were still open, doing things like creating PPE and really stepping up to do great things and save lives, there were still thousands of open manufacturing jobs. There was a 14% unemployment and those jobs were not being filled. It is a deeply broken connection between people that need good jobs and the manufacturing sector. Finding those people by figuring out all of the barriers that they might face, starting with awareness. Everybody listening to this probably says, oh, you know, people have a dated view of manufacturing. I mean, think about it. Think of big construction equipment and building. At what age did you or your parents say, eh, that's not going to be a good career for you, right? We know that that stigma of manufacturing is deep, and most people don't have a vision toward the modern, clean manufacturing that it is today. I actually think, or recently we've seen kids don't have any awareness of manufacturing whatsoever. That is the first barrier, but it's not the only one. Because if you are recruiting in the suburbs from some, for somebody in the city, how do they get there if they don't have a car? 
what if they have an issue? Manufacturing really depends on people being there on time. Like there are processes that have to go. And if you're not there, well, then your process doesn't happen and the whole thing gets messed up. Well, what about people that need a little bit more flexibility, have a little bit more childcare, have a car that breaks down? How do you accommodate all of those life challenges, let alone the idea of figuring out how to get the person trained, et cetera? These are the challenges that our region faces, that individuals face in talent. But I got to say, I think if there is one thing that manufacturers need to do for the future, it's going to be get the technology that they need. If there's one thing that this region can rally around and do civically, it's help fix our pipelines in workforce. We as a region will have a competitive advantage, unlike anywhere else in the world, if we can figure out how to not just create a few more manufacturers, but have a steady pipeline to the point where we talk about in the blueprint being the manufacturing education capital of the United States. Sure, that's, that's publicity, that's PR. But what does it actually mean? It means we would be a place where we take all of our assets. People would actually come here, be able to get a job here or be trained here and go elsewhere, actually exporting talent in manufacturing because we figured out how to create vital pipelines from our cities, from our rural communities, from people with barriers to get employment, the entire spectrum. And you know the real win there? We are actually helping people's livelihoods. We're taking somebody who might be in poverty and giving them a really good career. We're taking somebody who is middle class and giving them uh, pathways to innovation, pathways to entrepreneurship and ownership and running companies. The opportunities to improve people's lives that manufacturing can be truly a positive force for change is tremendous if we double down on the, on the talent component of this blueprint. How do you measure success of this blueprint? We have actual key performance indicators. It was not enough for us to write a report with stories, which we hope you read. We hope you'll see it. We hope you'll flip through and say, wow, this is really interesting. This is what manufacturing's like. And then if you're excited, you can get involved. You can get interested because there's a lot of programs going on right now that support each one of these pillars. There will be more in the future. But at the end of the day, we are manufacturers. We hold ourselves accountable to numbers. We hold ourselves accountable to a 10-year goal. None of these long-standing open job roles. Growth in the manufacturing sector that outpaces the United States. Diversity that looks like our city at all levels, our cities, our counties. Diversity that looks like our region in each of our manufacturers. These are the 10-year goals, and there are five-year goals around what does that mean in terms of the number of companies that are going to be adopting new technologies, or the number of people placed in manufacturing from training programs, or leadership. What does it look like that our manufacturing community has come together around this blueprint and around making things better? We even have a council who have 20, including some of our biggest manufacturers, that are organization agnostic, meaning... They're coming from boards of many different organizations because they're just looking at this blueprint as something for the entire region. And that's what it was created for. This isn't a magnet product, even though we powered it, we wrote it, we got all the input for it. There are a hundred champions. That was just the people we could get to initially. That list is growing every day. Folks that believe in this vision and want to spread the word, adopt pieces of this vision as their strategy, and fundamentally see whatever piece of the puzzle they're doing as part of the bigger picture. We often suffer in Cleveland and Northeast Ohio from what I call initiative fatigue. Lots of organizations, you don't know what they all do. They seem to do the same thing. Being inside that system, I've seen that it is the case that 
Everybody is working on their own thing. Sometimes there is a little duplication, but what we miss is the ability to say, well, there's 27 different problems in workforce, 30 different organizations, each working on one piece of that. Are they all actually working together? So yes, they need more collaboration, but are those things adding to something bigger? That is the measurement inherent in this blueprint is that we need to measure that, pull all of those organizations, if not telling them how to do their work, because that's not the point of the blueprint, but linking their work to a bigger picture and making sure that manufacturers oversee that so that as a community, we can be supportive of those organizations and things that are really scaling and going well, and that we can plug gaps where nobody's doing anything and we can look at it as a region. That is the vision of what this blueprint does not your standard strategy, something to inspire, but also something to hold ourselves as a region accountable to. Ethan, one of the things we see in the report is this issue of trying to not only create a talented workforce, but a workforce that is both talented and diverse. What's the best way to go about doing that? There's a huge untapped, diverse population of people, many of whom are in manufacturing, but far more could be in manufacturing. In the report, we see that there's stark contracts between the 84% white individuals in manufacturing and the actual composition of our communities and our towns. In this way, manufacturing can be a huge positive force for change. Manufacturers have the business imperative to go after the best populations of talent to get smart, talented individuals to run the complicated, highly skilled things that need to go on inside a manufacturing plant. By reaching and looking for new populations of people, a hugely important component of the talent part of our blueprint we are naturally going to be tapping new populations, diverse populations of people. There's a lot that goes into making sure that those individuals feel welcome and that their particular barriers, if they have them, are lifted. But manufacturing has an opportunity to spread wealth across our region, independent of race, independent of of any diverse factor, that in that way can truly start to get at some of the equity issues, especially racial equity that Cleveland Northeast Ohio is plagued with. I'm particularly passionate and excited about the way that manufacturing is and can be that positive force for change in our community. Ethan Karp, thanks so much for joining us. Look forward to seeing how this blueprint shakes out. Hopefully in a few years, we're talking about its successes. We appreciate you joining us for The Landscape today. Ethan Karp is the president and CEO of Magnet. He joined us for The Landscape, a Crane's Cleveland podcast. We thank Medical Mutual for their support of this effort. On behalf of our producer, Cody Smith, I'm Dan Paletta. Thanks for joining us and we'll talk again soon.